Uh, Josh didn't sleep last night, and he's had way too much caffeine uh, this morning. So this message, man, has just been one of those that I've been excited about, and it's kept literally just kept me up. Uh, I have not been able to sleep. I'm not complaining. Don't get me wrong. I'm not here to vent to you my problems. Um, I'm actually maybe giving you an excuse for the abundant amount of caffeinated uh, energy you may be about to receive. So um, sorry in advance. Um, and hang on for the ride. I hope it'll be a, a good one. Um, note to self, magnetic iPad cover. Bad idea on metal stand. Let's just put this over here. Okay. All right. So we just finished up the past three weeks. And who knows what series we just finished up? Anyone? Next Steps. James got it. Anyone else? Yes? No? Next Steps? Last Steps, maybe? Um <laughs> All right, obviously, um, we just finished that up. I think it was a, a great series, hopefully, for us to be able to bring us to the point of reminding us where we're at, either as a church or as individuals, and what our next steps um, should be. So if you miss it, really, if you can, go online and just listen to those messages. I hope it'll be um, some time well spent. But obviously, now it's December, and next steps are uh, done. And December dictates a few things for us. First of all, calendars can become chaos, Right? really, really get busy. Uh, families can fight. I'm sure you don't have one of these. Uh, families that just argue your family is like what looks like on the Hallmark Christmas cards or the Lifetime TV movies, and everything is just perfect, right? That's you guys, right? Yeah. Yes, okay, sure. Um, Lord, help us. Um, we, have, we, we have some sinners this morning. Um, need to make a confession. Um, holiday meals can become horrible memories, they can, right? You might be able to reflect on that one time. But again, I'm sure that's not you. Um, that's someone else. Shopping. No one goes shopping in the holidays. Uh, shopping can be stressful, um, right? Or am I, am I wrong? Okay. Um, giving gifts can become getting greedy. <laughs> Some of these things might affect us more than we let on. Or maybe even more than we realize. I'm going to start off by telling you, um, our last couple of days, I have a picture um, here of, let's see the end result. Yay! Here's the Smith family tree. Um, this is the final, this is the final product. You guys haven't been with us in the past 48 hours. Okay, Josh picked out a crooked tree this year. It looked great at Home Depot and trying to put this thing up in this, it's been a night, nightmare, like two days and family's over and father-in-law is over and like hoping, well, let's put it this way and let's put it this way and brother-in-law down the street is like, well, no, you need to put it in like, so way too many people, I call it the Leaning Tower of Treza. It looks great, <laughs> looks great here, but it's been this giant ordeal and like this, if I had hair again, just pulling it out, frustration and, and maybe you can relate to this. Anyone got your trees up already? I'm sure, again, yours just went up totally smoothly. You know, maybe you put your tree together. Um, we don't do that yet in the Smith family. We like smelling fresh tree, and, and it's dead already. We just like to make it look alive uh, as long as it can, but its, its end has already been written. Um, but through this short season, these few weeks... And on these Saturdays now, where they have suddenly opened up with the lack of college football, just seem, they just seem to fly by, right? They just, and then they're gone. As I get older, they seem to go faster and faster. But once again, you guys, you guys can't relate to, to any of that, right? Okay. I remember when I was a kid, I could not wait until Christmas. You know, the days and the hours would just slowly tick by 
just crawl like a snail and a turtle were having a losing race with molasses. Like it was just like, come on, please, Christmas, I cannot wait. Like super slow. But that's not the case anymore. It seems like we can't even pause to catch our breath and the Christmas season is it's gone. So let's pause this morning. Let's catch our breath. Let's slow down. And let's put some things in perspective. And without a knowledge of why we remember this season, it quickly loses its importance. It becomes about getting the right tree, the ornaments on it, the family dinners and the travel and the lights on the house, the presents we give. But as most of us are honest, it's more interested in the the presents we get, right? Not necessarily the ones we always give. Can't wait to see what I, I get. The box that has my name under the tree. Shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it. If that was an iPad, it's broken. Shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it. Ooh, maybe it's clothes. Or maybe it's not a shake it, shake it. You're like, I just know that's a Blu-ray already. Just like, who wraps a present like that? Maybe it's just, you know, it's not, it takes the guessing game, you know, right out of it. So long story short, we're starting a new message series today. And it's called Searching for a Savior. And it's a three and a half week series. The half is for our Christmas Eve services, obviously, where this will reach its... I won't say conclusion, because uh, it's not really. It's actually a beginning, when you think about it, f- for us. And in order for us to really understand how important this beginning that we're building up to here on December 24th is, this set time we set aside to remember Christmas, the Christ, we need to go back in time. Y'all ready to go back in time? I don't know. Like We have a fantastic time travel device here. I'm not sure if y'all are ready, so... Tray tables, upright and locked positions. If you need an exit, they are here, here, or here. Okay? You're ready for this. It's going to blow your mind. You ready? Time travel device. Let's go. Sound effects not included. Y'all feel like you've gone back in time, right? It's amazing. Mind blown. Okay. Yes. Oh, yeah. This was set up and ready to go. So the coffee's just enhancing. It's enhancing. So that was our time travel device. In case you don't know where we're at, we need to go back in time. So let, let's see where we're at back in time. Uh, are we? No, let's go past this, farther back in time. Um, past Mary and Joseph on the donkey. No, let's, let's keep going uh, back in time. Mary getting talked to by the angel saying she's going to have a son. Need to keep going more back in time. Here we are. Yay! We made it. We're here. Aren't y'all excited? Does anyone know where we are? <laughs> That's what it looks like on the screen. Uh, let me, maybe, maybe if you knew what it said like I do, you'll, you'll be excited. You know what this says? This says Malachi. Malachi. You're not nearly as excited as I am. Okay, maybe you need coffee um, to, to get going. This is 400 years before Jesus. Okay, this is our first main stop in backwards time travel. Malachi. To find Malachi, go to the first book in the New Testament. I'm sure most of us can find that. It's what? Matthew. First book in the New Testament. All right, Genesis. Wow, your Bible is different than mine. First book in the New Testament, Matthew. And uh, now I'll go back a page. But know when you're turning back that page, you're turning back about 400 years. One page, gone. 
400 years. And that's where we find ourselves in the first stop of our backwards time travel today. And it's the last thing God spoke to his people until, guess what? Jesus showed up. Okay, we all on the same page right now? Maybe yours is maybe literally a different page. Mine's 798. But Malachi, chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. Malachi chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, and it says this, See, I will send my messenger, who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant, whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But you, but who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. And the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in days gone by as in former years. So I will come near to you for judgment. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, and perjurers. Against those who defraud laborers of their wages who oppress the widows and the fatherless, and deprive aliens of justice, but do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. So that is what we've read, is prophesied words of God to Malachi. He wrote them down and, and told the people. Here we see two main things. You need to understand this, and you need to remember this, because we're going to come back to this later. It's going to be very important. There are, there are two messengers prophesied, in this passage. Remember, this is saying things that are going to happen. Two big things. There are two messengers. Dos messengeris, whatever that is in, in Spanish, but two messengers. The first one is the messenger who will prepare the way, and the second is the messenger of the covenant. Everybody with me? Everybody understood that from, from what we read? That's what you need to know for now. Two messengers. The messenger who will prepare the way, and the messenger of the covenant. Again, hold on to that thought. Remember that. But before we can really start filling in the gaps of these 400 years of this one little page we we just turned, we have to go, guess what? Farther back in time. You know what that means? Time travel device. Okay? The more swishy sounds we all make, we get there faster. I'll just let you in on that. Okay, so here we go. Going back in time again. And... We're not there yet. Okay, let's pretend we're there. All right. So we're going back in time. Okay, time travel device in effect. Let's see where we're going back in time. How far back are we going here? Anyone know what this is? Daniel and the lion's den. We need to keep going back. So let's keep going back in, in time. Uh, we should know this story. David and Goliath, right? We know we keep, keep going back in, in time. Um, who knows this dude? Muscles, right? Samson knocking down uh, the building. Okay, keep going back. And, and, and Tom, does this look familiar, maybe? I, I hear I fit it, whatever that makes sense. Joshua fit the battle of, and then this place. Um, we need to keep going back in time, so let's keep going. We're going pretty far back, right? Who knows what this looks like? Yeah, Exodus, you know, Israelites wandering in the desert for 40 years. Let's keep going back. We're going way back, right? Here's Moses, a.k.a. Charlton Heston, right? Before the Red Sea, so we keep going back in time. Before they were even in bondage, who knows what this guy looks like? Joseph, right? In the coat of many colors, like he, he seems pretty stoked, right? 
we keep going. Okay, here, arc, right? Okay, too far. Maybe we need to come back just, just a little bit. Okay, so lately we've been talking about this guy named Abraham, right? Abraham. Okay, no, no, not this guy. Different Abraham. Let's put up right Abraham. Yay, right Abraham. We've been talking about Abraham. Abraham has a son finally with his wife, Sarah, and they call him, anyone knows? Isaac. Okay, so we're recapping a lot here. You need to understand this for where we're going to be talking about. Travel back in time to make these 400 years we're going to talk about soon, and then Jesus' birth make a lot of sense. Now, Isaac, son of Abraham, survives a kind of scary thing with his dad going to sacrifice him an altar, uh, but God provides a sacrifice for him, a lamb. Whew, Isaac's like close one. Um, Isaac gets older, marries someone named Rebecca, and they have two sons, Esau and anyone know the other? Jacob, Esau and Jacob. We often say Jacob and Esau, one, because it's easier to say, two, because Jacob becomes vastly more important, even though he's the younger one. And they were even fighting in the womb, and it's prophesied that they will fight, and even their descendants will fight. Like, these are just brothers who are just like, the whole time, okay? Now, Esau, being the older one, has the birthright, and is his dad's favorite. He's got red hair and a red beard. Yes. Okay. Strong and muscular and a hunter. Right? This is like dude's dude. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger with red hair just going to go out and just like kill things. Like beast of a man is Esau. Now Jacob is his mother's favorite. Rebecca's. And it's funny because it even says in here um, in the word that um, he is <clears throat> quiet and stays among the tents. I got a, more of a reaction uh, for me when I was reading him. <laughs> sweet little, sweet little Jacob. That sweet little Jacob. He's just gonna. I picture, you know, if it, if it was modern day, he'd probably have the really big glasses, you know, and the pants pulled up. <laughs> Did I do that? That would be Jacob back in the day. So we have Jacob, and then we have Esau, manly beast man, and then quiet, simple Jacob who stays among the tents and is mama's boy. Okay, so one day Esau is out on the field and I guess has some crazy Snickers-like hunger. You know, when you are and you're not you when you're hungry. Well, Esau has this hunger craving, and I guess he hasn't eaten, like, ever, and gets really hungry, and he trades his birthright for a cup of soup. Just hold on to that thought for a second. How hungry would he have to be to trade his birthright for a cup of soup? So, okay, so Jacob is like, yes, birthright, okay, to top that off, Jacob, the mama's boy, again, and Rebecca, his mom, deceive old, poor, blind Isaac with his arms covered in sheepskin to make him think that they're actually Esau's. Like big, again, remember big, hairy arm, muscle, just hair popping out of everywhere guy? To make him think he's Esau to get the blessing of poor, old, blind dad Isaac. Well, Esau is, of course, very happy about this, right? No, Esau becomes very, very mad and chases Jacob, and Jacob, like, bolts what else is Jacob going to do? He just runs away. He's mama's boy. Okay, I promise I'm going to get to the point where this makes sense. And when it clicks, it's like light bulb. Okay, so um, God and Abraham's will will forever be demoting of Esau and his bloodline because Esau takes a few Canaanite women. We know that why that's important now from the David and the Goliath story. Canaanites very bad. God and Abraham say, don't marry those people or anybody else. Like, stay within the Israelites, right? They're not called that yet. 
uh, but that's what we will call them by right now. So stay within us with these families that we have all around here and, and keep our, our bloodline. But Esau's like, no, I'm going to go with these Canaanite women. On top of the birthright, Esau is out and forever will be subservient, and his descendants, the Edomites, subservient to Jacob. Now, Jacob ends up marrying a girl named Leah, a daughter of Laban. He gets kind of pulled the wool over his eyes, for the pun intended from earlier, and he has to work seven additional more years to marry the person he really wants, and her name is Rachel, okay? And then from Rachel, we get Joseph and his fun coat and the bloodline from Jacob that eventually leads to, take a guess, Jesus. Everyone with me so far? Okay. So Jacob, yay, Esau, boo. Now Jacob's name is changed by God later to Israel. His name is changed to Israel. Not the place yet, the person, the man named Israel. And that's why from this point on, his descendants are called and referred to as Israelites. Okay, remember, this is before Moses before the Exodus, before Joseph in the coat of many colors and all that kind of stuff. That's where they get their name. Fast forward, okay, we're moving upwards in time now, to Moses and Aaron leading the Israelites out of Egypt. Now there's always this parallel happening throughout Scripture, and this is huge. This is the second thing we need to walk away from and remember today. There is always a balance of prophet and priest. Always a balance of prophet and priest. Who's really stoked about Star Wars? Anyone? Yes. Like, I'm really excited. And like, you know, James really excited. Front row. Yes, always got it. Right. I'm, I'm kind of really nerding out about Star Wars. I can't wait because it's got to be better than the last three, which are the newer three, but technically the older three. And then it gets confusing. But I'm, you know, the promos, I, can't, I cannot wait for them to continue this story. And, and then the, in Star Wars, what? There's the dark side and... No one really calls it the light side, right? The Jedi and the good people, right? Then you have the dark side, you know, you know, Darth, you know, all that over here. And then you have the good guys, right? And there's this balance, right? Do you remember Darth Vader, a.k.a. Anakin Skywalker, was supposed to bring what? Balance to the Force. Well, there's this balance. And I'm really glad we're talking about this today because there's always this balance of prophet and priest, not just through the Old Testament, through the entire Word of God, a balance of prophet and priest. So you need to know those things. Because wherever you have one, you're going to have the other. Now, with Moses and Aaron coming out of the, the wilderness, into the wilderness from leaving Egypt, the Exodus, now Moses was the prophet, and Aaron became the priest, right? And Aaron's descendants even remained the priest for generations until... Guess what? We get to this 400-year gap in time. So now we're back into Malachi. Okay? You with me still? We've led up to this point. And this is also called the 400 years of, of silence because God did not speak to his people during this time. I'll tell you why. The Israelites, or Jews, we call them Jews at this point, have finally returned to the land of Palestine after Babylonian captivity. Aaron's descendants are finally back in their role as what? Priests, Aaron's descendants, you need to know that. The Jews have stopped worshiping other idols, and things initially seem pretty good. But then they start mistreating their wives. Any husband knows that's a no-no. Um, stop giving to God. That's not good. Start marrying people again from enemy nations. Again, not good. 
and the priests start mistreating the temple. Really not good. In 333 BC, Palestine falls to the Greeks. They're conquered. Ten years later, in 323 BC, is conquered by the Egyptians. Okay? Antiochus, the great of Syria, then conquers Palestine again in 204 BC. Remember, as we're going towards 0 BC, the, the numbers get lower because we're approaching the birth of, of Christ, BC, before Christ, our Christian era. And so Antiochus, the great of Syria, conquers Palestine in 204 BC, and he and his successor aren't exactly nice to the Jews. Right? They sold, sold the priests of the temple, and they desecrate it. Finally, in 165 BC, one of those descendants of Aaron, again from the priestly descendant, right? His name is Judas Maccabeus, has had enough, and he leads this revolution, this revolt, and wins back Jerusalem and the temple. Now, the Jews and Syrians continue to fight it out like little kids until around 63 BC, when there's these, this other nation called the Romans, you may have heard of them, pretty big giant armies. In 63 BC, they're both conquered by the Romans, and all of Palestine is then under Roman rule and Roman law. Now, the Romans figure it's better to have a puppet ruler who is Jewish and just answers to Rome to keep the people there happy. And this other guy you may have heard of, Julius Caesar. Anyone heard of him? Okay. Julius Caesar appoints a Hebrew named Antipater. It's funny, in Latin, his name actually means not the father. This will make sense later. Now, why does that matter? Why does, why does Antipater matter? Because Antipater, you just too much coffee. Antipater is a descendant of guess who? Esau. Antipater is a descendant of Esau, not of Jacob, who is the line of kings, David and Solomon. You with me? So this just adds insult to injury to the Jews who still await the prophecies to be fulfilled by a, of a Messiah, of a king, who will come and rescue them, but he's going to be born from the line of who? David, which goes back to Jacob. Now, Antipater has two sons who are made rulers of Judea and Galilee. One of them, take a guess who his name is. Herod. Antipater has two sons, Herod the Great, Okay, And in 37 BC, Rome, quote-unquote, appoints King Herod over Judea, and King Herod moves his headquarters to Caesarea, a Roman city protected by a Roman goddess. See how he's completely gone over to the other side. Not, even, not only is he from Esau's line of non-king, subservient tribe, okay, but now he's also really left, you know, here's where the money is, I'm gone. right? And then we're, again, we're back to puppet ruler. Now, Aaron's priestly line has become corrupt by this point, still during this 400-year gap, with guess what? Politics. Religion plus politics equals kaboom. Okay? And it's divided into two main sects, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. You with me? Now, the Sadducees are radical liberals who only hold to the Torah, or the first five books, of what we call the Old Testament, and they think that God has no place in governing the Israelite nation. Sadducees, okay? The Pharisees over on this other side, complete polar opposites, are radical conservatives who are in favor of religious law after religious law after religious law, leaving no room for error 
or for a meaningful relationship with God. So we have no godly priests, which means what? No prophet. Remember, priest plus prophet have to be together with no godly priests. No wonder God doesn't speak to his people for 400 years. There's not a godly person there. So we have no godly priests, no godly prophets. Presto, 400-year time gap explained. Now, during this time, synagogues or places of Jewish worship and teaching are established. With them, Sanhedrins, and this name becomes much more important later around the end of every gospel, but Sanhedrins are formed, consisting of a chief priest and 70 other men who govern all Jewish affairs of state, but still subservient to their Roman rulers. Everyone still with me? No? I can go back and we can talk about this all over again. Okay. In the meantime, so we have Jewish stuff, Palestine going over here. In the meantime, there's this other thing happening over here with what's going on in Rome, okay? In the meantime, Julius Caesar, who appointed Antipater and then appointed by doing so, Herod the Great, Julius Caesar is killed by the Senate at Tubute, and Gaius Octavius eventually takes control over the Roman Empire after defeating Marcus Antonius, we might know him as Mark Antony, and Cleopatra in Egypt. Yes, they were real people. When Octavius becomes Caesar, he changes his name from Gaius Octavius to anyone take a guess? If you know your history, Caesar Augustus. Again, why is that important? The first emperor of Rome. That is why when you read the account of the birth of Jesus, in Luke chapter 2, for instance, it says that in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken. That's who did it. He said, I want to know everyone that's living in Rome, under Roman rule and Roman law. So now that, that timeline, everything that happened with Rome finally comes back in, and now these two timelines are starting to align. Everyone still with me? Okay, most of us. Okay. So this 400-year gap in time has been pretty busy, but it's also been without a word from God to the people of Israel. And they're waiting. And they're hoping. And they're praying and searching for a Savior. Now, do you remember what that thing was I told you to remember from a little bit ago from Malachi? There were two things. There's a a messenger who will prepare the way, and the second was a messenger of... Y'all are cheating. That's up on the screen. Okay, messenger who will prepare the way, and a messenger of the covenant. Now we're finally to this point. Turn with me to Luke. Again, if we're in Malachi... Go a few pages in, Matthew, Mark, Luke, third book of the New Testament, Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. We're going to skip the introduction. We're going to start, start in verse 5. The intro, introduction just says that, uh, hey, I've done the best I possibly can um, doing all the historical accounts to give you the 100% best version of everything I know, and I'm going to write it down for you. So we're going to pick up here in verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, now this makes sense, right? Maybe for the first time of of why and who he is. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was what, read it, also a descendant of who? Aaron. So they're both in the priestly line. Hopefully this makes sense for you now, okay? Both of them finally 
We get to this point, this 400 gap, and both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well along in years. Now, we're going to get more into their story next week. But for today, what you need to know is that Zechariah and Elizabeth have their prayers answered for a son. The angel Gabriel shows up and tells them to name him John and that he will prepare the way and prepare the people for the Lord. Now, John grows up and we end up calling him John the Baptist because you take a guess. He he baptizes people, pretty no-brainer. And I want you to read this, though. Turn over to page Just one page over to Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3. And it says this, and this is again why this is important. And the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod Tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip Tetrarch of Ituria, and Abilene. So he says all that just to say, like, I'm giving you the accurate time reference for when all of this is happening chronologically through history. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, who we now know is John the Baptist, in the desert. And it says, he went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the desert, and you read this here, prepare the way For the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked road shall become straight, and the rough ways smooth, and all mankind will see God's salvation. I'm going to skip over to verse 15, so hope you're following me. The people were waiting again, what? Expectantly. And all were wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Christ. Could he be the Messiah that was prophesied from Malachi, from Isaiah? John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come. The thongs of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. I'm not even worthy to touch his shoelaces. Just leave him alone. This is how great this guy is. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. What does that mean? He's going to separate the sheep from the goats, in other words. The people who are able to hear and understand and the people who just choose to ignore or don't believe. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and preached the good news to them. It's the first time we see good news in here, what's later called gospel, good news. So we have the prophet now, John the Baptist, prophesying that the Lord, the Savior, the Messiah, the King is coming. The prophet side of the equation, the messenger who will prepare the way, is complete. Still with me? As if that's not cool enough, let's look at this from a different angle. Do you know what the early church was called? Their name? It's called the way, right? They got that name from what Jesus said, and it's written down for us in John chapter 14, 6, that says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus himself states that he is what? The way. Now what if, just what if, 
on top of all the other prophecies fulfilled in and through Jesus, that this section here in Malachi was not meant figuratively, but literally. See, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way. You with me still? Maybe, okay. What if he's not talking about a road or a path to take, but the actual name even? The title, the purpose of Jesus to be the way, the truth, and the life. See, I will send my messenger again here in Malachi. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way. Again, the prophet side of this equation and the messenger who will prepare the way is now complete. It's fulfilled in John the Baptist. But whenever you have a what prophet, you need to have a who. Who is the priest? Jesus Christ is the priest. These two things are not separated. They are joined by hundreds of years of genealogy leading to this point. Jesus Christ is the priest. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. We're going to read this together. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. We don't know who the writer of Hebrews was, but it says this. Therefore, since we have a great, what? High priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, as if there was any you know, need of clarification, writes the name, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For if we do not have a high priest, again we see it, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And this is not the only time that Jesus is referred to in the New Testament as the high priest. Not a high priest, but the high priest. And I'm going to read all of them for you. You can do that and you know, make it a homework project. But this is the one that just really stood out to me. If you followed me to this point, you might be wondering how Jesus is the messenger of the covenant then, because he has to fulfill both of these things, right? He's the high priest maybe, but how is he the messenger of the covenant that was prophesied in Malachi? If you were here with us last week, we shared Holy Communion. We shared it together, the remembering of Jesus Christ's sacrifice for us on the cross and the joy of that we will have new life in him. And in case we just breeze past this without really paying attention, I'm going to read you that same scripture from last week. It's Luke chapter 22, verses 14 through 20. You don't have to turn here because it's just short. But this is in the Last Supper. And it says, When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you that I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, gave it to them, saying, 
this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, here we are in verse 20. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the, what? New covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Jesus fulfills not only the prophecy of being the high priest, but also of being the messenger of the new covenant. That's open to all who share in the remembering of Jesus Christ's sacrifice for us on the cross. All who live in this way, he says, will be saved. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 tells us that salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And there's a story here. And it's not just the usual Christmas story. We hear probably every year after year after year all rosy with Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus. Look at him. He's so cute and a manger and wise men and shepherds and angels. No, this story spans the entire Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, these 66 books in the Old and the New Testaments all lead to one ultimate point. Jesus, the Son of God, is our Savior. Now, this story just doesn't begin with Luke and the New Testament writers. It goes back hundreds and hundreds of years. Weaves together a message of hope and salvation. It tells the tidings of great joy and great grace. It gives us the good news that God loved us enough to send His Son, Jesus, to us, to live as one of us, to die for us, to rise from the dead because of us, so that His life might be then through us. Some of us might be searching today. We're honest. We might be searching. We might find it hard to see this bigger picture of the Christmas season. It's the holiday sales, the gift wrapping, and family time management. I want you to take a moment to step back and see that this story doesn't just begin with Jesus' birth. It goes back all the way to the beginning, back in Genesis with a purpose. You might be searching for an answer ultimately today. Well, okay, that's great. How does all of that affect me? Because when we get down to brass tacks, all of us are really like this book, this Bible. We begin a long, long time ago. We go through our lives making mistakes learning, stumbling, getting up, and ultimately finding that something is missing. So we begin searching. And we look for that answer in false idols and jobs and money and false security. We wander like the Israelites through our lives, knowing that we are called to something, but don't know what. We feel the need for a deeper relationship than any earthly one can possibly satisfy. 
we have a need for a Savior. And we search. And we wait. And maybe we even pray. But eventually, we find our way. We find the way. We find Yahweh. And we learn that everything leads to that Savior. And when we meet Jesus, when we meet Jesus, everything after that point becomes completely different. The wandering we went through isn't wasted. It was our journey to the cross. The defeats we experienced weren't distractions. They were designs that led us to Christ. The relationships we built into our lives that could not sustain us opened the doors to knowing the one that could. The searching wasn't in vain. Because when we find Jesus, we find victory. My hope for us this Christmas season is that if you are one of those people who are searching, you know that you finally found what you've been looking for. That's my hope. That's my prayer. If you are one of those who have been waiting, my hope is that you trust in the one who holds time in his hands. If you are one of those who have been praying, the answer to your prayers has a name, and his name is Jesus. And if you aren't searching or waiting or praying and you're just here because you know those things that you don't find yourself so caught up in the holidays that you don't forget that these are not holidays, these are holy days. That you are able to pause, to catch your breath and see that this Christmas story actually spans the entire Bible. That you are able to slow down enough to remember the reason for the season. Because it's not the tree or the ornaments or the presents or the lights. It's Jesus. And if you're searching for a Savior, He's right here. He's right here. Prophesied, foretold, promises delivered. He's calling you. He's reaching for you. He's showing you that he's not some made-up kid in a manger, but real. And the living Son of God. And in him, you will find peace. From beginning to end, the story is here. So I'll close this way. In the first verse of Genesis, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And in the last verses of Revelation, he who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. That's the last words in your Bible. This story spans generations, millennia, to tie together this story that's really so much more than a Christmas season or a movie you just breeze past on TV 
There's so much more here that we don't even take the time to pause and say, wow, I've never thought about it that way. It doesn't just start in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's not in the New Testament. This goes back to Genesis, all paving the way forward for Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God, is our Savior. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, it can be tough sometimes to think of the bigger picture, the purpose that you've drawn out, you've designed. And we see it here in your word laid out for us. From the Old Testament to the New, God, there is spectacular design and reason And again, my hope and prayer this morning is that we just don't get so caught up in the busyness that we impose on ourselves for this season that we forget the miraculous. That we don't get so caught up in in schedules and time that we pass by the Savior. We don't get so caught up in singing fun jingle bells like songs and we don't take the time to sing your praises to give you the thanks in our lives. So we take this time, God. We, we pause, we reflect, we slow down. And maybe for the first time, some of us are trying to put this bigger picture in place. again this morning are waiting are hoping we are searching for a savior maybe some of us who have already found you before need to find you again to rediscover the awe and the glory to fix our eyes again on not what is seen but what is unseen what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So may this season, God, may we fix our eyes on you, on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Continue to write our stories, our journeys in and through you, God. And may we be just like the shepherds on the hillside who cannot wait to tell the others the good news, to share it. Wow. God, you are a great God. And you have tied this together with a plan and with a purpose. I'm going to look at you completely different this Christmas season. Though I may be waiting, hoping, and praying, and searching for a Savior, God, remind us that it is you and you are here.